Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Um, We've been in this series that we're wrapping up today called Vintage Values. We've been looking at what some have considered diminished or what culture has kind of overlooked. Society says, hey, that's not really a part of what we see in in, in common day, in everyday life. And today we're going to be looking at gratitude. Um, But before we dive into that, I want to quickly look at a story, a story a while back, a consultant was talking with recent college graduates of the millennial generation. He told the graduates there's one word that prospective employers are using over and over to describe your generation. So he's standing before this audience, and it's a millennial generation, and like awesome millennials, they started to uh, riddle off the words. And he gave them one hint. He said it starts with an E. So many millennials were like, hey, we are excellent. We're educated. We're extraordinary because that's what mom always told us, right? And he actually pauses, and he looks, and as the The room is peppering back and forth with answers. He says, the word that prospective employers have used to describe your generation is entitlement. Oh. Now right there, I can instantly see who's a millennial and who's everybody else. Because millennials were like, the eye roll kicked back, here we go again, we hear about how bad our our generation is, and then everybody on the outside is like, okay, yep, those millennials, you know, it's pointing back and forth. They're the issue, and millennials are now the the largest workforce in America, and uh, sociologists have even deemed them as the most entitled generation the entitled group, have it now mentality, and, and we want it this way, I, I see how my parents live, and I want to have right now how I grew up and vacation the way mom and dad did, the most protected generation. I mean, I don't know if you, maybe some of you can relate, I grew up in Missouri, my father didn't really know what a seatbelt was, you know, and he was like, get in the back of the car, boy, we're rolling, you know, like that's how it was. Some of you can relate with that. Now we have so many buckles, straps, gadgets, buttons that you try to load a new baby seat in a car, you're like, dude, I didn't take chemistry to do the baby seat. Like, man, I had that experience this week. Also, all the kids are all-stars. I got three of them. I'm a millennial, and they are not all-stars. But sometimes we like to think a little bit differently, millennials. Well, what I want to talk to you today is actually opposite of the word entitlement. I want to talk to you about gratitude. We simply define gratitude as this. Gratitude is the act of offering thanks or being thankful usually to God. Simply put, gratitude is essential. It's something as believers we're called to lead with and exhibit in our lives. And I would even go 
a step further and say, even though I'm a millennial and there's some of this, this negativity towards our generation, that gratitude or entitlement isn't just a generational thing, but a people thing. We've wrestled with that. So we're going to look at Luke 17. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and join me there. We see Jesus in a very unique encounter. So you can follow along. The text will also be on your screen. Jesus is walking through, and as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, this is right before uh, the, the Passion Week, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village, there ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, this is the only time where we only see master, this word, in the original language, meaning powerful. Luke is the only one that attributes that to Jesus. And this is the only time, apart from Luke, where we see a group of people recognizing who Jesus is. And they say, Master, have mercy on us. Now, if you're familiar with leprosy, leprosy is a common disease that we find throughout Scripture. We even see in the Old Testament where they write about some of the specifics and the laws of those who have leprosy, what you should do, and the unclean, and the clean. And, and leprosy was an awful disease. Physically, it destroyed the body. It'd be uh, uh, oozing fluids and, and almost pus-like uh, uh, marks and scars, and the body would be in agony. It would even infect nerve endings. Where in the middle of the night, people who had leprosy wouldn't even know that they were being gnawed on by a rodent throughout the night, and they would lose fingers and toes. It was an awful, extraordinary pain people faced. But it wasn't just painful physically, it was also painful emotionally. I mean, think about going throughout life without giving someone a high five. Think about going throughout life with giving someone a, a handshake or, or a hug, not even a kiss. Leprosy was a plight, and these men had it. It was a very, very de demonstrative disease. So as we continue on in verse 14, they yell out, Jesus, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went their way, as, and as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan, and that's an interesting point that we'll look at here in a moment. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? As he, as, has no one returned to give God, glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So let's look right now. Generationally speaking, there was 10 men. Only one goes and expresses gratitude to Jesus. Now look at the odds right there. That means 90% of the individuals 
didn't express gratitude. The odds are stacked against us when it comes to that. That only one person expressed a life change, a miracle on behalf of Jesus and came to acknowledge that there was something bigger in store and in life. This man got it, and he was someone no one expected. My question for you this morning is this. Will you be the one? Will you be the one that expresses gratitude? Will you be the one that says thank you when no one else does? Will you be the one that says, you know what? I'm going to take an effort. I'm going to go out of my way and I'm going to say thank you. Will you be the one? Part of the way we show God gratitude is simply showing gratitude to others. We show gratitude to others by writing thank you notes. Will you be the one that writes a thank you note? We show gratitude in our kids' ministry. You know what? We have an amazing kids' program that's available to us on Sundays and Wednesdays. We have leaders who are investing in the next generation. Are we saying thank you? Are we showing gratitude? Are we thanking a coach who's invested in our kids' ability? Are we thanking group leaders? Are we thanking our parents for their, their guidance and even their unwarranted and unsolicited advice? Are we going to be the one? My question real quick or my challenge to you at this very moment is this. I want you to ask, maybe you came to church with somebody today, or maybe you did not. I want you to turn the person to your left or your right and ask them to rate your gratitude trait. Ask them on a scale of one to 10 and just have them give you a number. Turn, take a moment. On a scale of one to 10, how, how grateful do you think I am? I'm hearing it. And maybe you're alone right now. You need to text somebody. Simple question. They're going to be like, this is really weird. Why are you just asking me this? On a scale of one to 10, how grateful do you believe that I am? Gratitude, it's essential. The odds are stacked against us, but we will be the people who are grateful. But before we dive into the how and to the fix, we have to kind of come to this understanding of how our mind works, how we think, what inhibits and hinders our opportunity to be people of gratitude in this season of Thanksgiving. So there's two parts of an ungrateful mindset. The first one is, I want it now. We're ungrateful because we just simply do not have the patience. The other day I was at McDonald's, one of my favorite restaurants ever, Mac sauce all day, every day. Grew up it on college and I love it. You know, this is when I go to McDonald's, I expect it to be like this. I order, food is already on the tray next to me. Anybody can relate? Like, and, and I don't know, maybe it's not common sense or maybe it is. But you know, anything that's really tastes good takes quite a while for it to cook, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm actually trying to get back to work and I'm, I'm looking at the time and, and I ordered my food and when I'm at McDonald's, it's not coming up. I'm like, how is this not happening? I mean, I look at it, two minutes have gone by. 
I'm like, all right. Like, they can see, like, I'm, I'm looking at my wrist. And I don't even wa- carry a watch. And I'm sitting there looking. Like, hey, where, where's my food? Finally, about five minutes, this young lady comes over and she's like, hey, sir, your, your food's just going to be a moment. We're making some fresh fries. And I'm like, this is unacceptable. Five minutes waiting in line. How can this be? I want my McDonald's food when I order my food. We struggle with that. We look and we say, you know what? I want my, I want it now. In Luke 15, we're going to spend a little bit of time here in Luke 15, verses 11 through 12, where we see the story of the prodigal son, but there's actually two individuals that are prominent. Look where this attitude comes in of, I want it now. In Luke 15, 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide up the wealth between his sons. He wanted it now. If you're familiar with the story of what takes place in the story of the prodigal son, this man goes and he squanders all his wealth. The detail I love about that story is this. The father didn't withhold a blessing to the child. He gave them what he wanted now. That's one thing that kind of destroys and dismantles our ungrateful mindset is that we have this, this uncandy, this, this, this way we want things. I want it now, so I'll swipe the credit card. 29% interest rate. I do not care. It is what I want now. I go to the restaurant. I need the steak. I want it now. I want my McDonald's. I want my Taco Bell. We all want it now, and it destroys an ungrateful mindset. Another way where we find that we struggle with our ungrateful mindset is is simply we think we deserve more. I deserve more. In Luke 15, when we go back to the story, we see that this other brother comes into play, comes into the scenario. The older brother was angry, we see in verse 28, and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when a son of yours returns, comes back squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing a fattened calf. Notice this this young man in the story did nothing. He, he, He showed up, he was a part of the estate, but it still wasn't good enough. He still felt he deserved more. See, gratitude is saying, hey, I'm, I'm, thank you. I'm thankful for what I have. I'm grateful for every blessing that I have. See, oftentimes you can see this deserving more ungrateful mindset, mindset play out in a few things. One, I, I deserve a better playing job. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit, or I'm going to have an attitude, or I'm just going to sulk, or, hey, I'll wait until the government gives me a check, and everything's going to be okay. 
Or secondly, we think, hey, I need better benefits. Three months maternity leave, unpaid or not paid, that's not good enough. Do you hear what they're doing in this country over in in Europe? We should have that. Hey, I mean, guys, now we have this thing that's kind of making its way through uh, uh, our United States is that there's paternity leave for the guys. I mean, like, we think we deserve more. The new iPhone, oh, I gotta get it. I don't care that they keep updating it and keep making my phone lag. Like, I gotta get the new iPhone. Ungrateful mindset comes in this posture, in this position of we think we deserve more. Other ways that we need to look at and and talk about is how we address our ungratefulness. See, an ungrateful mindset says many people have it. Remember the nine on our very first story? Verse the one, are we going to be the one? So address, addressing our ungratefulness. First one is we have to understand and look, is it material, financial ungratefulness that we're battling? Have you ever done this before? You walked into your closet and you're like, I do not have anything to wear. And yet you have a rack full of clothes. You have pants. You have different shades of blue jeans. And you're like, I just can't do it today. Material, financial, ungratefulness. Another way we need to address our ungratefulness is through relational ways. Relational ungratefulness. Possibly tired of your parents, you know, correcting you, dictating things, giving them their advice, looking at certain areas of your life and asking questions. And you're like, I wish my parents would just get out of my business. I'm an adult now. Why do they keep badgering me? Or maybe my husband. I wish... He would be a better spiritual leader. I wish he would fix things around the house. I wish he would clean up after the house. And the husband or the spouse, they can't live up. Or, or gentlemen, where we think and we lack gratefulness for our wife when it's, I wish she was more fun. I wish she was more romantically invested. And we start to not be thankful for the relationships that we do have, that we do hold on to, that are right in front of us. And then another way is circumstantial ungratefulness. We're never pleased with where we're at, what's taking place. I wish things were better. I I wish I had this kind of activities. I wish I took these trips, these vacations, and, and we wish and we wish and we wish, and it never comes about the way we'd like, and we can never be pleased, and the standard is always moving, and the field goal post can never be down the middle. We're just ungrateful in circumstances. When we process that, we think about these areas in our life, what we need to address, what we're battling with. Am I the person that I'm so consumed with wanting it now, and I deserve more. How is your thinking? Are, are you wrestling with that? Are you saying right now in this moment, I'm going to commit to being the one, the one that does show gratitude? And that leads me into the how this morning. How are we going to cultivate gratitude? How are we going to cultivate 
gratitude. The first one is this. We need to take a moment and decide to turn our blessings into praise. Turn our blessings into praise. If you know it or not, you're blessed. So don't be stressed. Look what happens when this leper, the one, comes back to Jesus. He shouts, first one, praise God. You know why we sing? You know why we have worship? You know why we raise our voice? Because we're shouting, we're praising, we're singing to God. Are you praising God? This man got something. He saw Jesus. He saw God incarnate himself in Jesus, that God gave the Son Jesus. He saw that there is a bigger scope. They saw there's a bigger way. There's a bigger thing at play right here than just being healed of something physical, but being healed of eternity. Writing his destiny from hell and now into eternal life. He saw it and he declared it and he praised God in it. Psalm 65, 8 says this, those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. God should inspire shouts of joy in our life. Question you got to ask yourself, are you shouting praises because God is good and he's blessed you? Or are you pretty quiet on the side? Another thing that we see this leper does, he says this, he, he fell to the ground. How we cultivate it, how we look at it is this, blessings that aren't turned to praise may become a source of pride. If we're not praising, we might think in, in our mentality, and our mindset, that it's our ability to get what we have and say, hey, I did that. I'm amazing. It's because of me everything is going in this earth and my family is blessed. You know, we have Thanksgiving coming up, right? There's always that one family member who walks into the room and it feels like the world revolves around this one personality type. And you might be thinking, ah, oh, we don't have that person in our family. You are that person in your family. <laughs> Humility. It's what we're called to do. What's Jesus do for us? He gives up his life. What's God do for us? He's given us his most prized possession, his son, Jesus. When we're praising, we're recognizing that it's not on our merit, it's not on our works. Even in Isaiah, the prophet says, even your righteous deeds are like filthy rags to God. So when we come into this posture and we say, God, I am just grateful that you've given me the ability to know you and meet you through your son, Jesus, we will always operate in an attitude, in a posture of humility. Sometimes we need to assess and look at ourselves. Are, 
we people who are leading that way? Is our conversation more directed at that person? Are we asking questions about them? Are we concerned about them? Or is it I, I, I? I love how James, just his brother, puts it. He says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He, choo- he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. So grateful. So grateful. Psalms 84, for the Lord is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. When we're following in his ways, we have healthier marriages. When we're following in his ways, we have joy that subsides in our heart. When we're following in his ways, he cares for us. He sees us. We understand what love is. We see in these seasons and holidays and Thanksgiving truly what we have to be thankful for. When this leper, he, he comes down, what's he do? He falls to the ground. Lord, I'm not worthy. Anything in my heart, you need to take away because it's you. You healed me. You touched me. You see that sin. You see the scene and this man right here and Jesus looks at him. Looks at him. And recognizes the man's humility. And then another way we cultivate a grateful heart and a grateful life is this we enjoy what God has already gifted to you we enjoy what God has already gifted to you as he fell his knee at Jesus feet thanking him for what he had done this man was a Samaritan fell at Jesus feet thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. 90% went away. 10% came back. Nine went away, only one returned. And he was a Samaritan. It's fascinating when you look at the text and you look at the scripture is this that these men, they're probably outside some unnamed, unknown small town that had priest. And this disease was destroying so many different lives that it actually united people who hated each other. A Samaritan and a Jewish person wouldn't get along during this time and in this culture. Yet leprosy impacted this group, and so they were connected. So the, the, the Jewish individuals that we can infer in the scripture, they, they went to the priest. And whenever you are marked unclean from this disease and leprosy, what would happen is you have to spend about eight days going through a, a process to be deemed clean and you can be around people. 
before you were living outside of town, but if you go through this process, what we can see is this, that these men, these nine that didn't return to Jesus were more uh, attracted and, and more in tune and wanted to, to take this selfish approach about their lives, what they need to get going on, how they've missed out for years. And now we see this one man that no one expected to come back to this man by the name of Jesus. He sees and recognizes the person that is oftentimes we don't expect to show us the most gratitude, gives a lot of the greatest thanks. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing from prison and he says this, now that he, he received a gift from this church of Philippi, and he goes, Now that I was ever in need, know that, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do nothing, or I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Can you imagine that strength that went into that leper's life when he encountered Jesus? When you look through your life in the next coming weeks and this holiday season, the question you have to ask yourselves is, are you going to be the one that shows gratitude when the majority won't? That writes a thank you when majority won't that embraces and loves and honors and goes out of their way to express thankfulness when the majority won't. Are you going to be the one? Yesterday I was hanging uh, Christmas lights and uh, it, it's, it's always fun and it's, it's a good time for my family to be outside and the boys run around and they try to help, but it doesn't really usually happen too well with their involvement. Um, and I, I get up on our roof and uh, I, I checked out our roof and the hurricane blew through. And, and I was looking at the roof, I came across you know, this, this spot on, on the ridge cap where about I don't know, 10, 10 feet of shingles blew off. And instantly I was like, oh man, now I got to deal with this. I thought I, I, I escaped the storm and I thought I was, I, I took about five minutes frustrated. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. Like I, I shouldn't, this shouldn't have happened to me. Like, come on now. Like, and I remember sitting there, my, my family comes running out and you know, it's like my, my oldest child, he comes taken off through the, this green area. My, my second child, he comes and I hear my, my, my little daughter and she's like just yelling and she's one and she's a redhead. And it, it was just this iconic scene as I'm sitting on the roof looking over my family. And, and I, I kid you not, I, I feel like God just kind of placed in my heart and just so a seed of Blake. You're acting pretty ungrateful when look at what you have down there and do you not remember some of the people we've been helping along the way you know a lot of times 
people who stand up here on stage, there's a, a certain mentality that, or a certain maybe impression that we kind of put on them and, and look at them. But I'll be honest with you, when I, I was convicted at that moment, the lack of gratitude that I have had in my life when I'm sitting on, on the roof. Many times of what we preach, we live out, we go through. God works in ways and on our heart and, and stirs our heart. I say that with this in store. A lot of us think that, hey, we got it all together. This is a place where we're imperfect people in progress. And no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, you have Jesus that is for you, who loves you, who cares for you. And no matter how dirty, unclean, messed up, mixed up you are, he can give you a solution and he can give you a new life. We have so much to be grateful for, church. Are we going to be the people that give those thanks? I thought it opportunity time right now to gather together, and I'm going to ask each and every one of us to, to stand, and we're going to do what that leopard did, and we're going to, to sing just briefly for a moment and give praise, shout joy, sing, and be grateful for what our good Savior has done for us. And then when we're done singing here in just a moment, Pastor Chris will give us some closing remarks. Thanks for being here. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's continue to be grateful for our good and heavenly Father. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.